The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, do you have a pumpkin spiced latte in hand? Because it is October 1st. It's the fall. It certainly is. I'm really enjoying the, uh, the sights and smells of early fall, particularly the way the furnace smells the first time you turn it on. We're... We're enjoying that this morning here in the house. See, that's nice for you. I'm trying to hold out as long as I can. I woke up this morning and it was 67 degrees in my house. And I said, do I do it? And I, I'm not yet. I'm Maybe I'll make it to the 10th. We'll see how this goes in Kansas City. It's exciting to be back on. Uh, this is a weird week because we had Monday Night Football, so we didn't have the Tuesday show. So we're kind of cramming everything into this version of the editor's show. We'll be in a more fluid schedule next week. We're going to go through injuries, the latest news. We'll go back to the press conference from Wednesday and give you the best of. And we'll also talk about questions entering this Sunday game against the New England Patriots, the new look. New England Patriots, the first game against the Chiefs without Tom Brady. So I know everyone is jazzed about that. But let's first get into the injury report uh, headed into this game. We got our Wednesday injury report. And right now, we found out Chris Jones is limited with a groin issue. Alex Okafor, first practice since injuring his hamstring on September 10th, he was limited. Legereus Sneed did not appear on the injury report, and that is because he has been sent to IR. He has a broken clavicle, which Andy Reid said he will get fixed, which means surgery, which means at least six weeks without Sneed. So he is out for this game and for the foreseeable future. Terrible because he was having a great rookie season, John. Yeah, uh, this is a big blow for the Chiefs secondary. But it uh, thankfully comes when Bashad Breland is about to come off of his four-game suspension. They'll be without him uh, for the game against New England on Sunday, but then he'll be back and will be able to breathe a little more easily about the depth at cornerback. Uh, but they got one more game to get through. Uh, hopefully nobody else gets hurt on Sunday. This stinks. Uh, Snead was playing really well. He was leading the league in interceptions. He actually was about to come down with his third interception before he ended up breaking his clavicle and needing the surgery. 
Injuries happen in the NFL. We saw this mm -hmm. with Juan Thornhill last year. It was next man up. The Chiefs stepped up in the playoffs, were able to win three games without one of their promising young rookies last year. So you just hold down the fort until he comes back. When it comes to this game, I've been really impressed with Chris Jones and Frank Clark when fully healthy. We haven't necessarily been treated with that all year. It seems like at, at periods they're on the field together. Then you have Frank Clark being sick. We saw it last game, but then Chris Jones tweaks his groin. The way the Chiefs are kind of talking about this through my experience, it really feels like it's going to be questionable and a real game time decision for Jones. And I hope to see him out there because I think the pressure on Cam in this game will be crucial. Right. Well, you always want to have a player like Jones uh, on the on the field in any big game, of course. And I think that you want to have Jones in order to be a guy to put more pressure on Newton. And I, I agree. We, we need to have him on the field. That is your injury report. We will update you for the rest of the week. So we did the Wednesday. We'll have Thursday and Friday on arrowheadpride.com. John, I want to take one last look back to Monday night football. Typically, we'll give our marinated takeaways on the Tuesday edition, but because of Monday night football, we let the post game breathe on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. So we didn't get to give you our marinated takeaways. So let's just go one general thought about this game before we move on to Chiefs and Patriots. What is on your mind from Monday night? I think people need to calm down about Darwin Thompson. I mean, I get it. Uh, two big mistakes in the game. Those are bad. You don't ever want to see mistakes, but we are talking about the third running back on the roster and a guy who's in his second year playing in the NFL, hasn't had a lot of snaps in regular season games. So I think you have to cut him a little bit of slack. And I also think that it's part of the equation to consider that the Ravens are a really good team on special teams. Um, you're going to expect them to make plays against your players. And they did on that long touchdown return, particularly. Um, they just got... Thompson out of the play. He wasn't able to recover, and we ended up with a, the first kickoff return against the Chiefs since Dave Tobe arrived. So, um, yeah, I get why people are upset. I do. Uh, you you don't want to see mistakes from any player on your team, but uh, I think we maybe need to cut Darwin Thompson a little slack here. Yeah, I, I tend to, I guess, agree in a sense from the outside looking in. It's hard to come into a game in the middle of it and be cold and perform well. Now, that sure. being said, if you're Darwin Thompson and Darrell Williams won the job out of camp and you have another guy breathing down your neck and DeAndre Washington, don't forget he was protected at one point this year. You have a small window to either elevate yourself, but you could also use that small window to downgrade yourself right. because they have Absolutely. a running back and an experienced one on the practice squad. So I think it's going to be pivotal for him to look good the next time he gets an opportunity because as we know it can be a quick hook in the nfl and sure. so while i agree i don't know if we need to necessarily criticize him i think the pressure is truly on darwin thompson my right. point from this game i looked at the box score and after watching it of course and i'm counting right now one two three four five eight receivers for patrick mahomes had a reception in this game, including Eric Fisher. So, you know, but still, I, I think that factors into it. I think if this trend where the ball is being spread out to five and six and seven receivers continues, 
I don't know what defense could could beat the Chiefs, especially with the poise that we saw from Mahomes on Monday night. The Ravens were one of the better defenses in the league coming in. I, if I not know the, the best. I know the Chargers had some success, and that's because they have a really good four-man front, whereas the Ravens like to blitz, which you apparently can't do against Patrick Mahomes. So I just think with the amount of weapons, if the Chiefs can just stay healthy, it's just hard for me to believe that there's any team in the league that's going to be able to beat them. Yeah, I think that's a fair take. Um, this has been the issue with the Chiefs ever since Mahomes became the starter. Even back in 2018, I remember being on a on a podcast for one of our SB Nation sister sites, and they said, well, you know, how should we go about trying to beat Mahomes? And I couldn't think of a way. <laughs> it was kind of an embarrassing moment for me. But there's just, you can't blitz him. He'll beat you on the blitz, um, as he showed the Ravens on Monday night, as you, you're exactly right, the the Ravens like to blitz to get pressure. And that's not a formula to beat Mahomes. And with all these quality receivers at his disposal, um, he's always going to find one of them open and find a way to make a play. So I agree. This, this makes the team a very difficult team to beat as the season continues. I'll have a point on that at the end of the show. So, of course, stay with us here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Want to get into some odds. The Chiefs are seven-point favorites over the New England Patriots entering Sunday. This is historic. The Patriots haven't been underdogs by this many points in 17 years. Last time they were seven-point underdogs was opening day of 2003. If you're wondering about the result, they were playing the Bills. Tom Brady was horrible. He finished 14 of 29 for 123 yards and four interceptions. Bills players Drew Bledsoe and Lawyer Malloy combined to haunt their former team in a 31-0 blowout. So seven-point favorites on Sunday. John, we've talked off-air about how you're new to the spread game. <laughs> so you're working with it. You're trying to get better at, at the betting game with our, our new picks article on arrowheadpride.com. How do you feel about the Chiefs winning by seven or more? Well, uh, when I made my picks this morning uh, on tally site, I, I I did pick the Chiefs to cover the spread in this game. So my advice to you is to do whatever is different from that. <laughs> I'm just Got not it. really good so at if it. If you want to <laughs> win money, you think the Patriots covering is the way to go? Well, yeah, I, I think I think right now the best thing is to do not what I do uh, when it comes to the spread and the over under. I've been really good at uh, picking head-to-head, though. I've done very well so far this season. I'm proud of that. But the rest of it, I, I'm not so good. I think the, the Chiefs, you know, I, I wouldn't have said this before the Ravens game, but I do think the Chiefs have a, a genuine chance to to win this game by seven points. Uh, I'm, I, it just comes down to the old chess match between Bill Belichick and uh, and Andy Reid, you know, these guys know each other really well, and they always bring something to the table that the other guy isn't expecting. And uh, uh, you just can't really, uh, you just can't really predict how it's going to go. I, I enjoyed Bilicic's comment er- earlier this week when he said it was almost a division game, and uh, I made a comment on Twitter about um, the AFC East West <laughs> <laughs> because it really does feel like a division game with the with New England. Yeah, this spread, it's its kind of breaking my brain a little bit, and and here's why. I think the Chiefs are, are just playing so well right now, especially offensively. I don't know if there's a defense, especially after embarrassing the Ravens on Monday night, that could 
even counteract them. And so I tend to think that they'll win by eight or more points. That being said, like Bill Belichick, you're going to give him seven points. I don't know if the Chiefs can beat Bill Belichick by more than a touch. I, I do yeah. think the Chiefs will win. Something just tells me the Patriots are going to be in it in the fourth quarter, and that would lead you to probably take the points. So it'll be interesting to see, regardless of who's right and who's wrong. I do think it's awesome that the Chiefs are at such a point in, I guess, their development with this new era that they have a, a point spread of that many points for the first time in 17 years. I think that has to also do with the departure of Tom Brady, who now is in Tampa Bay. We'll see what happens on Sunday. When we come back, we're going to go through, I guess, the highlights of this media availability from Wednesday. Stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we got our first press conference of the week leading into Chiefs and Patriots on Wednesday. Elsewhere in the NFL, we found out this morning, and things are changing rapidly, so keep that in mind as we say this, but looks like the Titans have had an unfortunate COVID outbreak that has led to the cancellation of what would have been the Titans and Steelers game on Sunday. I shouldn't say cancellation, I guess the postponement. Right. This will be mm -hmm. played later in the year. And COVID is something that is everyone's opponent right now each and every week. Andy Reid, of course, asked to weigh in on this on Wednesday. Yeah, well, and I'm not saying that they didn't. Um, I mean, to the best of your ability, you, you have to do that. I mean, Braves was a good program there. And and, um, and it's, it's a pandemic. So, I mean, things can happen. Um, and he's working through those now. But... Um, You've got to take as many precautionary measures as you can um, and try to stick with them. And then if something happens like that, then, then you've got to uh, work through that. So um, we've all been coached up on it. And, um, you know, um, we're all trying to do the best we possibly can with it. You've seen other leagues that have tried to play through the pandemic go through this. The MLB is one that, that comes to mind. And the NFL has said that they expected something like this to happen and they're just going to have to roll with the punches. I think this serves as a reminder to the other 31. I mean, the battle isn't over. I mean, you go for so long and you think, okay, there's not going to be an outbreak. Well, there was now. And so you got to keep uh, staying the path. The coaches and the players, they just need to 
do their best to not be in public. And, and when you are, you have to be to take the proper precautions. And I think it's, it's a group thing where the entire NFL needs to be diligent if they're going to get through this season. Yeah, it's, to me, it's kind of like having an undefeated season. Um, you know, you can have an undefeated season, uh, but the odds against it are really high. And I think that's what we're looking at with COVID is that it'd be great if we could get through the season without having any games postponed right? Uh, and not have to deal with all the rigmarole that's going to have to be uh, addressed when they figure out how to make up these games at the end of the year. But the odds against it were really high. Uh, I've been very impressed with what the NFL has done up to this point. But it was just a matter of time before something slipped through the cracks. And that's what we've seen happen now. Yep. I mean, if you want to hear from all of Andy Reid, you, of course, can go back to From the Podium. I posted that to our podcast channel. We're going to continue on what, what we found to be the highlights of the press conference from the other day. Eric Fisher. A big man touchdown on Monday Night Football. And it was an important one. This was a yeah. game that was all of a sudden a one-score game. The Chiefs needed to take back the momentum, and they did. Here was Eric Fisher talking about all of the attention he received following the big score. Yeah, I had a lot of texts. It took me probably through yesterday to get back to everybody. I tried to do my best on that. Um, but no, everyone was excited for me. Uh, I think, you know, one of the coolest stories about it is, you know, my dad actually mentioned, he's like, I wonder when the last time a tackle and a fullback scored in a game. Well, I'd, I'd be curious on that. I have no idea. I don't, I don't really know how you figure that stuff out. But, uh, um, you know, I think it was a pretty cool night for, you know, me and Sherm to get in the end zone. And, uh, you know, especially on Monday Night Football, it's a, it's a memory I'll cherish. We've heard and seen from training camp that these guys are great friends. I know they wear sleeveless shirts and so on and so forth. And it's rare for either to score a touchdown. Sherman, probably a little more common, right? Because he's an offensive player, but certainly not uh, Eric Fisher, who's also an offensive player, but he's on the offensive line. Certainly not Eric Fisher, but to to see them both score and really important scores in, in a game that became a little little closer than, than the, the score should have been really on Monday night. Yeah, and you know, the thing that strikes me about that is I've thought about it. I guess this is another marinated thought from Monday night. Sorry, Pete. Um is that the Chiefs were willing to hang their hat on Fisher in a uh, in a pivotal moment in the game. Now, granted, it was first down. They had other opportunities there at the two-yard line. If this play hadn't worked out, um, then they would have had another couple of shots at it. But still, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is like, let's put Fisher out there. Let's let him catch a pass in the end zone and uh, put this game away. And it, and it worked out. Uh, and it, it was beautifully executed. It was well-planned, well-designed play. Uh, and it did exactly what it was supposed to do. And, of course, that's why the Chiefs had confidence in it, is that they they knew that they could make this thing work. Fisher said they practice it periodically, a few times uh, each practice. And that doesn't seem like a lot for a play that you're going to hang the game on, but apparently it was enough. Being a head coach in the NFL, it must be such a thrill. But this is where it becomes interesting, right? Because you had the shovel pass to Anthony Sherman. And then the offensive lineman pass in a big spot, a big mm -hmm. spot in the game. It's great and it's praised and it's Andy Reid, the genius, because <laughs> the plays worked. But had the Chiefs lost this game, they were already dealing with a fourth down play midfield where they handed it to Sherman. And I saw the tweets coming in. Why is Andy yeah. Reid getting too cute? 
same thing would have been said <laughs> if it tips off Fisher's hands and into the hands of a Raven and they run it back for six and all of a sudden you're dealing with the tie game. So that's the pressure that goes into being a head coach and to Reed's credit, he's, he's never really safe. He says, I'm just going to do what I want. You guys can say whatever you want after the game. And he, he's earned that right after 20 <laughs> years, but it is part of it. I just find that interesting. I think it's hilarious that Andy Reed can uh, call a running play on fourth and one in a game and people think that's too cute. <laughs> to the fullback, I mean, <laughs> whose yeah. position is designed for runs occasionally like that. All right, let's continue on. Juan Thornhill, coming back from that torn ACL last year, week 17. He didn't miss a, a game in the regular season, I should say. And I, I think we saw in week three, and, and everyone would agree with this, that he looked a little sharper, and I think you're probably going to see that each and every week. Here was Thornhill talking about his week three uh, performance. First of all, I'd just like to say thanks to my coaches because with a game I had, the second game, I missed a lot of tackles. And most of the time, some coaches would just give up on you and just try to uh, take you out of the run game since I missed so many tackles. But then they had, they had faith in me, and they still kept me in there and allowed me to go in and redeem myself and actually put me in there in those run fits to make those plays to show that I'm still there and – I definitely feel like I'm, I'm getting back to where I was. It, just, it was all about confidence, making those plays, just showing myself that I could do it. This Thornhill progression is key this weekend as you get ready without Legarius Sneed because when you're dealing with these cornerbacks that maybe aren't what you would say super above average in the league, these above average safeties really helped to correct that and, and Thornhill's play is a part of that. Yeah, and... Uh... That's certainly been part of the reason why the Chiefs have been able to get by with so little cornerback depth since the season began. It's been an ongoing problem. Of course, in the eyes of many fans, it's been an ongoing problem for, what, three or four years now that the Chiefs don't have any cornerback depth or they don't have any shutdown corners that can uh, you know, keep an offense bottled up. Um, but they've continued to hold their own. And then with this fourth-round pick that nobody really expected to get much out of, at least for the first part of the season, stepping in and playing really well uh, from the beginning of the season, uh, it's been kind of a surprise, a welcome surprise, as far as I'm concerned. I've always been on board with the idea that the Chiefs know what they're doing with the secondary. Not everybody agrees with that. In fact, very few agree with that. But um, they're continuing to do what they do, which is design a, a secondary that can make things happen, even without elite players in it. Yeah, it seems that the Chiefs really do have a strategy where they're not spending mm -hmm. necessarily premium draft capital at the cornerback position. Uh, salary cap's been devoted to edge rusher, defensive tackle, quarterback, uh, tight end, because he is a blue chip player, uh, safety position. And just instead of going maybe necessarily with guys that would be more expensive at cornerback, they're going for speed, mm -hmm. the need for Sneed <laughs> because of his speed. And I, I think it's because if you're going to keep up with the receivers in today's NFL, that's the most important thing. And they believe in their coaching staff, Sam Madison and crew, who we're going to hear from, I believe Thursday afternoon. Uh, so kudos to that strategy because got him a championship and this fourth rounder, I mean, you can make the case he, he played just as well as a first rounder would in the time that he had before getting injured. And I think all Chiefs fans look forward to his return. 
I think you can make the case that he's played better than a free agent they could have signed in the offseason, actually. He's right. he's been quite a quite a find for the Chiefs. Last part of this press conference, I thought this was fun. And I love these little reminders because of just how larger in life Patrick Mahomes is becoming, where just wins AFC Offensive Player of the Week for the fourth time, all the awards, everybody knows. Uh, but he still is a young man. And Cam Newton probably was a big deal when he was coming up. So I, I thought these words were interesting as he discussed watching Newton as Mahomes came through the ranks. Yeah, I wish I could do some of the things that he, that he did as far as, as, far as how, how, how physical he is and the way he's able to make plays happen. Um, but he's a, he's, a, he's a great football player. Uh, someone I, I used to watch when he was at Auburn. He actually went to Blinn College, which is down there kind of close to East Texas. And so he played against like TJC and some of those uh, junior colleges. Um, and I saw you see his highlights then when I was uh, back in high school in those days. And so he's a, he's a great football player and uh, he's in a great spot now and he's, he's playing really good football. So you understand it's going to be a great challenge uh, to go up against this team, knowing that they're going to be able to, they're going to be able to really uh, move the football. And hopefully our defense is going to come out there and, and play like they did this last week. Five years ago, Cam Newton was just so fun to watch. And you got to a point, I think, in the years following where you never thought anything like that in his play would return. And maybe he isn't exactly that right now, but he's gotten the back, at least in the first couple of weeks, to look pretty close. And so I mm-hmm. think we're really going to get this true dream matchup. You know, if you're just a pure football fan, you mm-hmm. got to love the idea that you're going to get to watch Patrick Mahomes versus a pretty close to his prime, I think. Maybe if not, he's, he's turned back the clock, Cam Newton on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's, uh, it, it was true in the offseason when people were saying it's a crime that nobody's picked up Cam Newton. Uh, but it, the circumstances were such that that's the way it played out. Um, you know, there were questions about his health, you know, whether he was in a position to play well this season. And it was impossible for any team to really find that out with the, right. the COVID going on. So, um, you know, that's just the way it played out. It was bad luck for Cam Newton, but good luck for the Patriots because it gave them the opportunity to see what they had in Jason Stidham. And once they had a good look, they said, yeah, let's go ahead and take that flyer on Cam Newton. It's worked out for them. Yeah, that's what the Patriots needed after these two decades was just a little luck. I'm so happy that they were able to get lucky <laughs> and have a quarterback. If they if they had Jared Stidham, I mean, I don't know if they're even in the conversation. And I'm happy for Cam. Hard to be happy yeah. for the Patriots. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Right, right. I'm looking forward to that. this matchup on Sunday, though, and we will get into our five questions going into it after the break. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, it's the Chiefs and the Patriots this weekend. Arrowhead Stadium, 325 p.m. We will have you covered at arrowheadpride.com and all of our social channels. We have five questions heading into the game. We've been talking about it to an extent all episode, but here's my first question, John, and then I will let you get into yours. First thing, can the Chiefs cornerback depth continue to hold up through one more game? I think heading into the season, we saw that Bashad Breland wouldn't be there for the first four games. Not easy contest. He had a division game mixed in there. Baltimore Ravens, of course. Uh, Houston Texans, who you knew would have wanted revenge. And then you get Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and the New England Patriots. And 
I think he would have said, all right, if if they can go two and two, three and one, you feel good about it. And now they have an opportunity without Breland to go four and oh. And hurts that Steed was that pleasant surprise. Uh, but you look at the numbers from the other night. Rashad Fenton, four targets, one reception for zero yards. Charvarius Ward, two targets for one reception and six yards. Legarius Sneed, who's hurt now, two targets for one reception and four yards. So it'll be Fenton and Ward again against this New England team. But the other night, as a whole, they held all Ravens pass catchers. So let's not include Dobbins as a running back. Andrews was the leader, and he only had 22 yards. If you want to include Dobbins, he had 38 yards. So if they can hold down the fort one more week, they get Breland back, who was their best cornerback last year, and you're good to go, I think, for the rest of the season, as long as you stay healthy there, which will be important and is always important. Well, health is always the factor in these conversations, isn't it? But yes, the Chiefs cornerbacks have uh, done a superb job considering the circumstances under which they've operated. Um, You know, it's going to be a tough game. No one thinks that the Patriots are going to be a pushover. I I don't know anybody that thinks that. I'm sure there there are people who do. But um, I think the cornerbacks have it within them to play well against New England and turn the corner and get to the point where there's not so much pressure on uh, on them, and uh, I think it'll happen. But we'll see. We'll just have to see. The Patriots' weapons to watch, of course, are their running back tandem. You never know which running back they're going to go with. Rex Burkhead was the hero last week. Of course, Julian Edelman has just been Mr. Reliable. I feel like he's been questionable for the last three years on the injury report, <laughs> and he continues to put up numbers. Nikhil Harry is coming into his own as a red zone threat, big receiver for them. Uh, so with some weapons to deal with, I, I do have faith in this team and, and the depth. And of course, with Tyron Matthew leading that secondary. All right, John, let's get into your first question of this game. Well, with Cam Newton, the question becomes, can the Chiefs handle a mobile quarterback? That was a question we had going into the Ravens game. Right. Uh, with all the problems we'd had on run defense against the Chargers. And it turned out the Chiefs could handle a mobile quarterback. You know, um, sure. it's, it's, it's wild that they've been preparing for mobile quarterbacks the first yeah. three weeks of the season. Don't forget, it was Herbert, but everyone thought it would be Taylor. So you had Watson, Taylor, mm-hmm. and then Jackson, and now Newton. Yeah, and anytime you have a defense that gives up 183 yards in a game, I believe that was the figure against the Chargers, uh, it would be worrisome to go into a game with the Ravens uh, knowing that... Uh, that Lamar Jackson could open up a, a hole in the center and run with it or go around the end and pick up big yardage. And he did that a couple of times, but it didn't really matter. Uh, I think Matt Stagner said it best in his uh, winners and losers piece on arrowheadpride.com after the game. You know, it doesn't matter if Cam Newton gets 83 yards rushing in a game, right? if you've held him to under 100 yards passing. It just doesn't matter. Nobody's going to beat the Chiefs uh, rushing the ball. That's the bottom line, and it's been the bottom line for a couple of years now. Yeah, I think it's one of those cases in the NFL where things catch on and quarterbacks are beating a lot of teams now on the ground with that dual threat, and then you start to see the defenses adjust, right? So I think we're entering that period now. Interested in seeing from afar how the Ravens do now that the Chiefs have sort of put on a tape where instead of really, I think, going after Jackson and and sacking him and blitzing him. What they they tried to do, in a sense, was contain him. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, you get a certain amount of yards, but they stepped up in the red zone and they said, okay, you know, let, let you try to beat us with your arm to an extent. And they weren't able to. Uh, the record for Jackson against teams in the regular season, other than the Chiefs and Mahomes, is 21 and 1. And I'm just wondering if the Spags tape from Monday helps bring that a little bit closer to what would be considered the mean. Uh, that's just another storyline that I'm watching as, as we go along in the league. All right, third question entering this game. And this goes back to my point a little bit in the first segment. Who exactly is Bill Belichick going to take away on offense? Because that's the Belichick way, right? They're always trying to take away your best weapon. Who's going to beat you? The Chiefs have now five or six receivers who could beat you, so to speak. And it's still 11 on 11. You can't double everybody. You don't have extra players because you're playing the Chiefs. And so I... I think it might be Tyree Kill. That's what Kent Swanson, uh, who's a great film editor and analyst for us, said on Arrowhead Pride Radio last night. He said that they'll probably try to take away Tyree Kill. That's been a trend of teams. But then you have Travis Kelsey and maybe you try to take away both. But the problem I think teams are going to run into with that now, too, is that then Clyde can beat you on the ground. We saw that in, in the first week. And Sammy Watkins looks like a really good compliment right now. Um, playoff Sammy, as we like to say at arrowheadpride.com, has actually shown up, knock on wood, early on in the regular season. So he's a force to be reckoned with. And then last week, you finally had McCole Hardman, and he showcased again what he can do. So this Bill Belichick thing, where they take away your best offensive weapon, what what are you doing? Like, who do you pick? You can't really pick anyone. Well, that's always going to be the problem uh, facing this particular Chiefs team. And the challenge for the Chiefs uh, in the years to come will be keeping a stable of those kinds of weapons available for Patrick Mahomes. As long as they can do that, uh, they're going to continue to be a very difficult team to beat on offense. Um, but, you know, this is the problem. This is the problem for all defensive coordinators. But Belichick is a defensive-minded coach. He's always found ways to to win games and do so consistently. I wouldn't count him out, but he's going to have a very difficult problem uh, in front of him uh, on Sunday. I think we could agree on that. John, I wrote this question in the outline, and I have no idea what it means. So I'll let you <laughs> take the ball for question number four. Yeah, I, you know, I this thing about uh, Tom Brady leaving New England and separating himself from uh, Belichick is is something that I've been thinking about for a long time, ever since Scott Pioli came to Kansas City and people were like, oh, he's going to bring the Patriot way to Kansas City. We're going to have all the success because he knows how things were done in New England. Well, it turned out he didn't know that much about what they did in New England. And it became pretty clear that the head coach there, not the uh, the executive, was the one that was really making things happen personnel-wise in New England. And then for the years after that, it was like, well, what we're really talking here about is a, this marriage between Tom Brady and and his head coach. And, uh, you know, this combination is amazing. Well, now we've separated these two guys. And it's much like the conversation we used to have in the 70s after the Beatles broke up. And who is the real genius of the Beatles? Is it John Lennon <laughs> or Paul McCartney? 
And after the Beatles broke up, there was a lot that in the music press of the time, there was a lot of speculation about which one of these guys is the real genius. Well, what we learned was that both of them were geniuses, but they were geniuses in different ways. And it was the the melding of two different kinds of musical genius that turned the Beatles into this amazing musical phenomenon. And I think what we're seeing is that that's been the case in New England for all of these years. Right. Um, you know, Brady goes to another team, albeit at a very advanced age, and he hasn't been as good as he was with Belichick, but he's still performing at a high level. Um, you know, I don't anticipate, as you do, that the Buccaneers are going to make it to the Super Bowl, but they have not been any slouch this season. He's played effectively, so you have to give credit for him. And now we have Belichick kind of putting on his Don Shula hat. Um, you know, Shula, in my mind, has always been one of the greatest NFL coaches because he always had the ability to uh, take the players that he had and find the best way to use them. And I think that uh, Belichick is giving us a, a master class in this, in this season. Uh, he not only lost Tom Brady, he lost, what was it, eight players uh, to COVID opt-outs. Uh, and he's continuing to put together a team that is surprising people. Um, so I think this is another case, just like Lennon and McCartney, where there were different kinds of genius and the, the two of them combined together uh, created something that was amazing to behold. Yeah. Imagine if, if Bill and Tom just lived their life in peace, though. I mean, that, that would be, I think, nicer. <laughs> Uh, for everybody. Final yeah, question. It would have been. <laughs> Final question. I think heading into this game, I looked at this stretch from weeks three to six on the schedule, and I, I never could figure out how the Chiefs were going to get through it undefeated. And so I'll read it to you. At Baltimore versus New England versus the Raiders. And I understand the Raiders, but that is a division game. You never know. Right. And mm -hmm. then at Buffalo on short rest. That is a tough schedule at the beginning of the season. It sort of gets a bit easier after that. Right after that, you have Denver, and you might see the return of Drew Locke in that game. Maybe that gives them an energy boost. I just still think the Chiefs are a better team. And then the Jets and the Panthers before the bye, please. So you're looking, I think it wins all three of those. You have the bye. You get the Raiders after the bye. We know about Reed. Then it goes Bucks, Broncos, Dolphins, Saints, Falcons, who have been the embarrassment of the NFL. And then, of course, the yearly tradition, the Week 17 Chargers. So <laughs> I think this is a second leg of what I would call like a stretch of death for the Chiefs. I find that, and I'm starting to see it on both national and locally. Let's hold on. I find that if, if they get through Patriots, Raiders, and Bills, then you could start to discuss what we all want to discuss. This is still a tough stretch to come away three and one through these four games would be outstanding. If you're a chiefs fan, if they somehow get through it undefeated, especially when you get Breland back next week against the Raiders. All right. Maybe you have a case where we are not only talking about run it back, but run to perfection. Yeah. The bills game is the one that's been scaring me ever since the they look schedule good. was announced. Right. And I've, you know, they looked pretty good last year. I know some people don't feel that way about it, but what I saw the Bills in the playoffs, uh, they didn't go a long way, but they showed they're a tough team. They've got a good quarterback, 
And we're going to be playing there on a short week, which is never good, even for Andy Reid. He does well when he's got extra time, but not so well when he has less than normal time. So this is the one that's really scared me. And I agree. Um, If we get through this stretch of games uh, without having a defeat, I think it'll be time to have that conversation. Is this a team that really could conceivably go 16-0? and um, As I said earlier in this very podcast, uh, such a thing is very difficult to do. doesn't happen very often. And uh, the odds are going to be steep against it, even if, they, uh, even if these teams that, we've, that you mentioned in the latter part of the season continue to be teams that don't play very well. It's the NFL. Anything can happen. And uh, just the same, uh, this is the most difficult part of the season for the Chiefs as we see it right now. So I'm glad that you kind of agree with me. I think that's good. Yeah, Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. We'll see. I'll be ready to talk about that if they come out of that Thursday night game undefeated. Uh, Then I think you have a real possibility. There was some team that this week was talking about whether or not they should be talking about an undefeated season. It's like, no, too early, too early. You got to be six games in under any circumstances. (laughs) You're seeing it in the star. You're seeing it on on ESPN. And it's already beginning to happen. And and my case is let's see if they get through this. Right. I agree with that. Yeah. Final segment of the week here on the editor's show. It's the best Chiefs thing we heard all week, and congratulations to the Yit couple of Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes and Brittany Matthews announced that they will be having their first child. Here was Mahomes talking about it on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, it's extremely exciting. I mean, being able to kind of grow up and have these dreams of, of having a family and, and playing in the NFL and for that stuff to start happening and, and uh, really co- uh, coming into truth and everything like that, I mean, it's, it's really cool. And so I'm just excited uh, that I have, I have a lot of great people around me and I'm in a great organization and I'm able to live out these dreams day by day. As millions of people are getting coronavirus, Patrick Mahomes continues to thrive in 2020 with his Super Bowl his ring, his engagement ring, his Ferrari, his Royals, everything going right for Patrick Mahomes. Credit to Fox 4's Harold Coons for asking Mahomes which chief would make the best uncle for the baby. As far as like an uncle, I would say like Matt Moore or someone like that that's responsible. I, could, I can't let like Trav or anybody do it. I mean, they, you never know what would happen. Can't let Travis Kelsey <laughs> around the baby. Can't say you can blame him, can you? No, <laughs> I just, the, when I first heard that yesterday, I was laughing just like I'm laughing now. It still cracks me up. <laughs> the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. Congratulations to Patrick Mahomes from Arrowhead Pride. That'll do it for today's Arrowhead Pride editor show. You can catch John Dixon at Arrowhead Phones. I'm at PG Sween. You can catch us all at Arrowhead Pride. Keep it locked in at ArrowheadPride.com for your Chiefs news and notes. We'll have full coverage of Chiefs and Patriots coming at you at 325 p.m. on Sunday. The boys, Arrowhead Pride Laboratory, will have your game preview coming at you tomorrow morning on Friday. Arrowhead Pride, the place to be. Thank you again for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.